0: Welcome back to the Barry Capital Startup Sales Podcast. I'm Evan McElwain and this week we're joined by Eric Huberman, founder and CEO of Hawk Media to talk about how to market during social distancing. Great to have you on the show, Eric.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: So Eric, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and the company you founded Hawk Media.
1: Sure. So backgrounds in e-commerce. I've built three e-commerce companies, sold two of them over the past like 12 years. About seven years ago, started advising and consulting for a lot of big and small brands on how to drive revenue growth using marketing. Worked with Red Bull, Verizon, HP, a lot of startups. And just ran into the same thing over and over again, which is when it comes time to execute on marketing, companies have a real kind of shitty landscape. You can either hire in-house or hire an agency. And hiring in-house, kind of the fallacy is, it's really hard to attract really good marketing talent. Like To get that great marketer to join your up and coming small business or startup or whatever, unless you're like one of the hottest startups of all time, great marketers wanna work with some of the best brands. So it's really hard to get that person in house. If you somehow accomplish that, they're generally expensive to build out a full team in house. And then if you accomplish both of those, now you're operating in a vacuum. And so you've got the whole team in house, you don't have any view on what's going on in the market. And especially in times like now, you don't have that outside perspective to actually help you pivot and change and adapt, which is super needed in marketing and why most companies use agencies. The problem on the agency side is 99% of them don't know what they're doing, aren't good marketers. It's really easy to start an agency. There's no barrier to entry, but they, you know, they're they full of snake oil salesmen and not good. They don't know how to grow a business. The few that are good tend to get really expensive, want long contracts, high minimums, something that makes them hard to work with. And so just hated the whole ecosystem, decided to hire my own team, each with their own expertise. So like a Facebook marketer, a search marketer, email marketer, web designer, et cetera. Went back to these companies and said, hey, everything's a la carte month to month, cheaper than hiring in-house. But basically, we can spin up exactly what you need when you need it. Be super flexible with the overall mission of bringing accessibility to great marketing for everyone. And so that's how we started. We've been around six and a half years now. We're a little over 150 people full-time offices in LA, New York, and Boston. I've been growing
0: well, managed marketing for around 500 brands. Fantastic. So before we dive in today, one thing we always like to ask is, what is one thing that no one listening to this podcast will know about you? So there's
1: two. One is very recent, which is kind of coming up. I'm trying to get go the quarantine mullet, just for the hell of it, just because why not? Wife's not very happy about it, but I figured at some point I can just cut the back and it's a normal cut. But like, you got to do a little <laughs> bit. So nobody knows about that yet. But uh, the other one is, I was actually, I uh, was a uh substitute teacher in India when I was 17 and targeted for a, an attempted kidnapping.
0: Whoa. <laughs> well, you made it out of that. Yeah. Most people me. don't know that. Wow. That's wild. Okay. Well, that's pretty scary. Especially as a 17 year old <laughs> in a foreign country.
1: Yeah. Some poor decisions. I, I almost got set up, but we had a, sh- a chaperone with us. That was this like six, I think he's like six, six Alaskan, like bearded mountain guy. And I was invited to go to dinner with some random Indian guy I met with one of my best friends and we're like, we're gonna go to dinner at this guy's house because his family says he's going to cook for us because like, you hear stories about that with traveling like this family brought us in and cooked for and we thought we were getting one of those. So we're like, this is awesome. And my chaperone goes like, yeah, I'm coming with you. We're like, okay, sure. I'm sure he's fine with you coming with us. And we show up and he was not fine with him coming with us. And then the van pulled up with the people that went to grab us and then realized there were too many people and one big guy and they were all little Indian guys. So didn't work out, but
0: wow! Yeah, did, did that cut your trip short?
1: No, nope. that was the like day two of my month and a half in India.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> well, glad it, it just glad made it, me it realize. Like, okay,
1: yeah, it made me realize just like be more on the watch. Like, I was a naive. It was a perfect thing for it to happen to a seventeen-year-old because I didn't actually get kidnapped, but I, it was a reminder. Like, that's not
0: just in movies. This really does right. happen. This thing actually does happen. Yeah, because growing um, up in
1: ohio California, and you did a little awakening.
0: Yeah. Well, on that note, let's let's talk about some growth marketing. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so diving into our topic for today, how to market during social distancing. Yeah. I love to kind of start at the the thirty thousand foot view. You're in a really unique position of running Hawk Media, and that you get to see real time how a ton of companies are changing on the fly and adjusting yeah. their budgets and yeah. just the way that they're marketing in general. And you alluded to that being, you know, part of the value an agency brings is having that view on the market. And so to help kind of set us up with the right context for our conversation today. Can you just talk a little bit about what you've been witnessing over the past yeah, really couple of months as COVID has set in and and this has really become just sort of the new reality that marketing leaders are, are trying to navigate?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, and it's changing weekly right now, which is thank God we're built for flexibility and like being nimble. This is how we work. So we're constantly shifting things right now. The Like the words were in this together and un, what is it? Everybody uses the same phrase, uncertain times. Those worked really well in week one don't say that anymore <laughs> like it's really about like not following what everyone else is doing but actually speaking your truth and being authentic which by saying i'm authentic you're kind of inauthentic but like there's something that goes into like just really sitting down for a second and thinking like what are people going through what am i going through right now and being relevant to that so like in the beginning one of my favorite ads that i i've talked about i've been on a bunch of podcasters, where i talked about this a bunch and I have no, we didn't do it. I have no contact at the company, but Land Rover put up an ad like week one. It was just a picture of a Land Rover in the middle of some landscape that was gorgeous in the mountains. And it was a little Land Rover in the distance that just said, practicing social distancing since 1948. And It was just like, nailed it. Like it's it's a calming, like I it, you, they just did say like, I want to be in nature, like for their customer. I want to be in nature, but I want to be calm. I'm sick of the franticness. The news sucks. This is just, it's cool that, that kind of stance and it's their brand, you know? And so being true to yourself is I think a really interesting thing in terms of what we're seeing. Like, I think the news is kind of out now, like the, so the last year, 13% of consumer purchases were done online 87% in store the past six weeks, 30% online, 70% in store. So there was a two and a half X almost or two point something X growth in online purchases. So even as consumer spending maybe subsided a little bit, the growth completely catapulted it, and So what we're seeing, because we're 75% or so 70% e-commerce, all of those companies are doing well. Like we don't really have many e-commerce companies that aren't. And and what I do see is fear is driving a lot of bad performance for companies right now, CEO fear, not remaining pragmatic and data-driven and cutting things off. We had so many companies in end of March cut their marketing because they were afraid of what might happen. And now we're in beginning of May, guess what happened to the companies that cut off their marketing? Like, it's, it's a no-brainer because advertising costs dropped 30% in April. So if you doubled down or even just maintained, you got way more returns out of it. And we've seen record months across the board. I'm talking high-end jewelry companies, swimwear companies. But I think still you're dealing with a lot of founders, a lot of CEOs that are holding back out of fear right now. I've mm-hmm. talked to them, I've met them. And like, that's, I don't agree with that leadership at this point. I think at this point... Your job is to keep the jobs of your people. Your job is to push your company forward. Your job is to make a return for your investors if you have them. And unless you're doing harm with your product, which hopefully you figured that one out before COVID hit, I think it's a time to really push to do that. And that's how we've taken it too. You know, we, My team has worked their butts off, including me, to not have to lay anyone off during this and to keep people employed. And we're in a beneficial position. We're impacted. We're down a little bit because we also have a big, we have car washes and chains of restaurants and all sorts of stuff that had to completely shut off their marketing, rightfully. But but we've been able to keep it together because everyone buckled down. I think now's the time for most businesses to do that. And again, back to the marketing thing, being optimistic, being, you know, not we're in this together, but more like, let's go, let's be aspirational. I mean, that's the end of the day. Let's aspire to yeah. come out of this. Let's aspire to go back to the beach. Let's aspire to do the things we love to do.
0: I think that's a great way to, to set it up in terms of what are you seeing in terms of data on the ground? and how companies are performing, some going on the offense, others going on the defense. One of the things I'm curious to hear your take on in terms of, you mentioned, you know, importance of not just doing this kind of wearing this together um, shtick, but really being true to yourself, being authentic, but actually being authentic in a genuine way. What's your advice for companies that are working with an agency whether talk media or another one and they're trying to be authentic they're trying to be true to themselves but they're also working with an outside agency are there are there things that they can do is there a way of collaborating that can help them stay true to themselves while also leveraging kind of some outside resources
1: yeah i mean messaging authenticity comes from the messaging the tactics the leveraging facebook ads things like that it isn't where you're going to hit or miss on authenticity so it's just working very hand in hand on the messaging and a lot of times, just in general, because like, authenticity is important across the board, it's just hyper important when people are sensitive like right now. and so the the way to hit that is just to decide who is your company. like I say who very specifically because you're, the easiest like shortcut to do this is like think of your brand as a person. who is that person? Be that person. And you know that's why celebrity brands work so well because it just shortcuts that. it's like it's this' it's, you know it's Brad Pitt, that is who we are. and so if you, you know, and if it aligns right, you have success. Honest Company and Jessica Alba, it, Honest Company was Jessica Alba. That's, that's how that works. So, you know, uh, what's it? Aviation gin is Ryan Reynolds through and through. So the, I, that, that's the idea of like, would that person say this? How would they handle this? The way I've done it with my own business is our brand and our way we message is a lot of times me. So like, mm-hmm. I just speak, I'll, like, I don't bullshit. It's like, this is what I feel like right now, you know, I'm sick of, zoom meetings and webinars and things like that so i was like all right well let's not do it we did a big conference a month ago we we did quarantine conference on april 7th and a 4200 ceo show up for it It was awesome that dave and john speak and all these people and then were, everyone's like are you gonna do it again i was like no because i don't want to sit on zoom for 10 straight hours again i know you don't either so now like this thursday we're doing a free magic show kids are invited because it's just like i keep hearing all my friends that are ceos like i don't know what to do with my kids like it's getting to the point where we've done everything and now they're super bored like, why don't we just help people out real quick like that's what i want to do so we're going to yeah. do that as a company it's things like that they're like i don't know if anything's going to financially come of throwing a magic show but it's goodwill and you know it'll be fun and it's it's fine and it's those kind of things that like i think also brands from a marketing perspective get way too stuck on performance and mm-hmm. direct performance and you end up cutting off your nose to spite your face because the moment something like this hits if you, you know e-commerce has done well but you know, you have companies that are built on these hamster wheels that the moment that things shift, the moment Google changes an algorithm or Facebook changes an algorithm, you screw your whole business if that's how you built it. You're on a mm-hmm. hamster wheel. So it's like building just community around your brand is super important. And in a time like now, you, that's one of the bonuses is you can do it really well. You can act, People all love to be in community when they're going through something like this. So if you create the environment for them to do that and create an ecosystem, people will jump into that. So no matter yeah. what your brand is, you know, we have an investment and in, you probably know the company at The Silk, they're crushing it, but they've spent five years investing in community so that like it wasn't all about customer acquisition when this hit, it's like just everybody already, like they already had this massive community they wanted to support and be a part of it.
0: Yeah, so I think those are some great points. And especially when you think about longer term strategy, the importance of, of building that community so that it, your company can withstand some of these external forces that are outside of your control so kind of putting that aside looking more at the short to medium term so yep. there are you know a couple of different buckets of companies let's take one bucket which is companies that have traditionally really relied on for their top of funnel they've relied on events they've relied on trade shows conferences yep. that are in person yep. um, we see this often in vertical saas when they're disrupting you know uh, some some older industries and they now find themselves having to completely redo their approach uh, yep. to marketing and driving top of funnel leads um, yep. and so when i think about Marketing in normal circumstances, I think about you know taking your time, being thoughtful. You build up the content and the SEO. Um, you're thoughtful and patient with how you A/B test. You're tweaking. You're optimizing over time, building up your social media organically, um, building that community that you just talked about. Now, you know you've got all these companies that are trying to execute on this stuff on a tight timeline because they feel like they need leads now. So uh, let's talk through that a little bit. What's kind of the best yeah. way to accelerate? creating your digital marketing strategy for companies that don't have a whole lot in place at the moment? And then also kind of within that, how do you think about prioritizing those different elements? Because it can be overwhelming to, to yeah. try to tackle all this stuff at once.
1: Well, and I, I think it depends on the business. But if you're talking SaaS, and let's say enterprise SaaS, a few things. One, if trade shows and all that was traditionally where you got business, reaching people is easier than it ever has been. Like everyone's stuck in front of their computer in their living room all day. So like, or their home office, whatever they're dealing with. So you you can reach about anyone. Every, there's tons of online events. There's tons of networking things that have popped up. There's tons of webinars. There's tons, there's literally tons of ways to get in front of people. So like I, we have a, obviously a sales team. There's no shortage of traffic and reaching people right now. It's, it's going. Decision-making slowed. So like people may not sign the contract this month. And so I actually had a meeting about this this morning uh, that was just an interesting perspective, is just like, just change your window. Stop looking at your monthly performance and maybe look at quarterly and just know that some people are going to punt. But if you think about your business as like, you know, how can I make June really, really powerful? It changes. If, if you're trying to just get hammer in business for May, yeah, you might be in a bar, bad spot. And so on the SaaS side, you can get in front of people a lot easier. And then in terms of spinning up like lead generation online and that kind of stuff, people are looking for digital solutions right now. So any software company has an advantage because if they're using anything other than software to solve that problem, they need your software. So you should be doing well there. Again, it completely depends on the business, yeah. but in advertising costs are down 30%. So in terms of being nimble, I mean, if, you're, if you've are if got a VC or an investor to ask around, find someone that's been working for friends, companies that has some credibility, find an agency. I'd go with agency right now because they should be able to, they're used to onboarding quickly if you get the right agency and can get you going quickly. Hiring in-house, you're gonna have a ramp up time and a risk associated with that. And I just go, like it's worth the risk to you know, jump on that. Again, you've, you've also saved all the money you spend on trade shows and travel and all that. Divert that budget because pulling back on marketing will result in exactly what you expect it to result in. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that we've seen. And that's not a bias statement, it's a research statement in terms of in 2008, the companies that leaned into marketing did better. It's like, the, yep. I get fear drives you and you wanna hold on, but the idea, this fallacy of cutting marketing to save revenue or to save profitability is crazy because your revenue declines as fast. And if you had a decent return on marketing, you are just screwing yourself. If you had, yep. if your marketing was a loss leader, like sure, if you're burning cash for marketing, you're not doing marketing very well, but if you're generating positive ROI on your marketing, cutting it is stupid. And so, which again, we've seen some people do sadly. But yeah, if you're a SaaS business, grab an agency for the digital stuff and then double down on all this digital networking going on because everybody still wants it. That's why we threw our conference in early April was because we saw, I, I, I had three weeks a month planned from March through June to be at basically two conferences a week all over the world. I was gonna be in Amsterdam and London and France and all over the US and everywhere. And literally over two days they all canceled that week before we went on quarantine. And I, that's when we were like, all right, well, I'm not the only one, like Can Lion that I go to, which is a marketing conference in France, uh, there's 200,000 people there. They're all trying to figure out what to do. So we should do something. Like it's that, again, in terms of marketing, be that center point for people, be mm-hmm. that community builder. And you, we were able to attract a ton of people. And so know now, okay, so now, again, this is anecdotal, but people have Zoom fatigue. So maybe throwing another Zoom conference is the way to go, but what we've been doing is actually dinners. So we've been doing 10 person CEO dinners. We bring five, a partner brings five. They all wanna to talk to each other. We all used to do these dinners in person. And so we've been having our team host a bunch of these and they're going well. And then that'll get old, I'm sure. And we'll do something else. And it's just about, that works for our business. That'll work for B2B in a lot of ways. And then on the consumer side, if you weren't already doing a bunch of digital marketing, you were just behind anyways, But this just accelerated the need for anything. And the, again, the good news is cost is so far down. You don't have to, this is, it's like basically reverted like two, three years ago on Facebook where you don't have to be that smart to make an ROI on Facebook ads. So just go mm-hmm. do it for a consumer brand. Like it's pretty easy. And when it when it gets tighter, like it was last year, that's when the true skill comes out and creating mm-hmm. an ROI is hard, harder. But I mean, we're seeing just stupid numbers. We had a, a jewelry company that had Budgeted for 500,000 in revenue last month, it did 1.5 million. Like, we're talking serious growth, and that's not that's not an anomaly. There's a list. We have a list of 40 of these. That we just mm-hmm. like, my team, like you know, every my own team was all panicked at the beginning of April. Like, what's going to happen? We don't know. You know, we're, some of them were. I was trying to coach our people. Like, stop telling people to pull back on their budgets. It's not the right move. I'm watching this. Keep going. And then about halfway through the month, we started seeing the results, and it was like, oh wow, this is real, this is happening, and then by the end of the month, we just had this massive list of success because of people sticking with it.
0: Wow, okay, so a couple things there. Uh, One, I really like the idea of continuing to get creative and iterate with your digital events, because I do agree, you know, you have seen kind of Zoom fatigue, webinar fatigue, and so important to think about how can we change the format to, to keep it lively. And I love that, you know, the magic show idea that, that you all are doing. I think that's, that's awesome. Well, it's
1: a good example of that. You can't, like Zoom, and I get Zoom fatigue. You're like, you're so focused. It's not even, it's worse than sitting in the room with someone from an energy perspective. But I, I found myself exhausted the first few weeks of this. And so, you know, now what we're talking about is engagement is super important. Not just making someone stare at their screen, but like, you know, we're going to do like magic lessons as part of the magic show. We're going to do... You know, on the dinners, we're trying to do activities. We're actually sending people things to do. My wife was on a work networking call where they did, uh, they got taught how to make old fashions. So They sent them the whole kit and everybody made their own old fashioned. like engaging, like be doing something, not just yeah. sitting at your computer is a big part.
0: So let's move on to kind of the next bucket of companies. So sure. we'll keep this maybe in the SaaS space just to, to try to get a little bit more specific. And I think the majority of SaaS companies probably fall in this bucket where they're they're doing, you know, a, a decent amount of digital marketing already. Maybe it's responsible for, call it in half their pipeline more or less. And what they've done historically, you know, it seems to be working well enough, but now too, they, they've got a gap in their pipeline. They've got some extra marketing budget. Their events were all canceled. We've, we've, we've mentioned that. So, you know, is it is it as simple as, all right, just pour some fuel on the fire, redistribute that towards whatever social uh, paid ad channels that you're doing? Feels like the answer is never quite that straightforward, but <laughs> we'll have to hear kind of how you advise your clients. So here's what
1: we're working on is, you know, almost every proliferated business that's B2B is going to lose customers right now because they've probably got some sort of saturation in hospitality or or there's a good chance one of their clients is struggling. So you're going to lose some customers in this, most likely. So the onus to bring in new business versus growing your existing book is pretty high. So at least not pulling back on that ramp. I'd say maintaining the things you're already doing is probably the way to go until you see that it's working because the other part of this that's going to be hard is your sales cycle is going to increase. You're gonna have people that are punting people. It's gonna, your conversion rates probably gonna go down a little bit as a B2B business and your sales cycle is gonna lengthen because people are gonna gonna be more careful. They're optimistic one day, pessimistic the next day. So you just don't know yet depending on your business. And so keeping all those things into account, you have to look at your marketing through that lens and see if it still makes sense. And you have to watch those numbers very carefully as they change. We're seeing like in April, things went slow across the board in terms of B2B, but I'm seeing in May already, you know, third into May, it's ramped up. So I think, again, to your question, assuming access to marketing dollars, it really just depends on the business. And I I hate to give a general general answer, but I would spend it because if that, the reason that mindset is, if those marketing dollars at trade shows was generating business for you, just not spending it and saving that money means you're also gonna lose that revenue. So find an efficient way to replace that revenue. And like, for us, I'm at a ton of conferences and trade shows all the time but it's a lot more of a community and trust builder for me than it is just like top of the funnel constantly. And so knowing that I looked at how to replace that, I wasn't going to put that money into Facebook ads because that's not going to have the same effect. I'm going to put that money into content. And again, these are online events we're doing and dinners and blah, blah, blah. So that i get the similar benefit in a, in a way that replaces that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good framework to, to think through it is yeah. what are not just leads, but kind of what are the other benefits you're getting from XYZ that you were doing and how can you put money into alternatives that are gonna reap that same benefit?
1: When we talk uh, about with marketing, we try to simplify just to make it easy, like three pillars, awareness, nurturing, and trust. So how are you building aware- new awareness for your product, how you nurturing that awareness to actually get them from a lead to a sale, and then how are you building trust because 75% of people will not buy anything from a company they don't inherently trust and know and validate. So those three things, like whatever you're doing, If you're replacing an effort that you can't do anymore, like events, that's kind of hitting all three of those notes because you're in person, you build a little more trust, you're probably nurturing some of your existing leads and you're probably introducing yourself to new people. That's the case. What can you replace that with that does all of those? Because search and Facebook ads don't really cover anything but awareness.
0: So one aside here, it's interconnected to a few of these points. You mentioned... The top of funnel not necessarily slowed down for some businesses, but but decision making process has we've certainly seen that. And you also mentioned this this idea of you know trust is is that much more important now that you can't be in person in front of these folks. Have you seen a rise or maybe just an elevation in importance of account based marketing right now? When you think about you know, let's take B two B SaaS for example, more important than ever to be multi threaded throughout the organization you no longer necessarily have this inter-office kind of water cooler chat where, where they're hearing more about your product. Is there, has there been any kind of correlation there or I'm curious if you've seen anything?
1: I mean, I think account-based marketing is just important in general. I think people, though they're not hanging around the water cooler, they're on Slack. And like, I think a lot of people are actually communicating more than they have in the past. So it just depends on the person. We've talked about it internally, like our extroverts are way more social right now. They're talk, all talking to each other constantly our introverts were having to pull out a little bit because they're doing their job and logging off. So it just depends on who the person is, but the people that are normally socializing something like that are probably doing it more. We're seeing it ourselves. We've adopted a bunch of new softwares because someone on a team that would have never come into my office and like wanted to have a conversation about me is a lot more comfortable sending a Slack and be like, hey, I thought this might be a good idea. What do you think? Like, you know, that's a little more intimidated by it. So we're getting a lot more bottom-up recommendations on SaaS that I've never had before, just oh, because I'm shy with the CEO. So we've, we've yeah. got Obi is one of them, which is like a whole like information, like automated chat tool in a uh, Slack that's like, it basically constantly stores answers to questions. So like when my team's trying to say like, hey, where did we put that case study? It records the answer so that next time it can just answer without someone else having to answer. So it just creates super efficient. Part of my team that had never recommended softwares to me before, ran a month study on this, came back to me with the actual hours it saved our people and the cost of that and the benefit, and said, can we get this? And I was just like, yeah, done. I've never had that on my team, like to this extent. And we've this has happened a few times. I'm using myself as an anecdote, but at the same time, I believe if, if companies have built the right culture, they're seeing a lot more vocalness out of their people.
0: Yeah, fantastic. so a couple more questions here. You mentioned one of the biggest mistakes you see companies making is just kind of pulling back and, and pushing pause on marketing campaigns. Due to fear and not really thinking through how that's going to impact the revenue that would have come from that marketing. What are some of the other big mistakes that you see companies making right now um, when they're kind of tweaking their marketing strategy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw, you know, there was, I think it was Sequoia put out the memo of like, cut everything. And like, it's the idea of cutting everything before you have data to do so. Like, it's, it's just in general acting out of fear. So firing employees before you're seeing it decline like, my business partner said something, I mean, I want to give him credit for it because it's stuck with me. It's like the biggest statement of this whole thing. And he said it to me when we were sending everyone home. He's like, hey, remember anything, this is going to be a blip on the radar in terms of like, how it act like COVID, even if it's a year, it's still a blip on the radar, but we're going to live with our decisions for the rest of our life that we make here. So like, let's act accordingly. So, you know, again, laying off 30% of your team when you've had no losses and you're in e-commerce, really stupid. Like, unless you're, like a way I feel for it it's travel. No, I doubt people are buying luggage in a big way. Like that makes sense, but there's, I'm not going to call them out. There's an underwear company I saw do the same thing that I'm like, I, come on. Like that there's, we know from firsthand, because we have a lot of lingerie clients, it's up. Well, people are stuck at home with their significant others. They're buying lingerie, which, you know, good for them. But it's like those kind of things that I'm like, that's that, those bad actors that are using this excuse. The other one is like uh, what's it called, The Sycam- not Sycamore. Sycamore, I think, is the private equity fund that owns Staples. They told Staples on April 1st not to pay any of their rent across the board, just don't pay it because, and they weren't impacted. Like people are going to home offices or buying office stuff. They, they told them not to because they could, because New York and LA said you can't be evicted. So they screwed all their landlords. This is where it's like more karma's a bitch. They also on February 22nd, I think, closed on purchasing Victoria's Secret, really fun article, a month later, similar to what they were doing with Staples, they tried to renege on their contract and be like, nope, act of God, we can't. Victoria, or L, I think it's Elbrand's that owns them. they yeah, it's Elbrand's, Elbrand's lawyer saw COVID coming and put in the contract that they could not call a pandemic an act of God. And the lawyer on the sy- Sycamore side missed that and they bought it with that clause and were not able to retract it. So they bought a brick and mortar store that's really not done a great job on digital traditionally And they all and got shut down immediately. So it's like, this is a private equity firm that keeps trying to be bad actors. And now everyone's like, screw you. We know to watch our back when we work with you. And now all the landlords that they're screwing, that's going to backfire. If I was a landlord and staples came across my plate and they said, we need a place to put a staples, I'd be like, great. Here's the guarantee. They're going to have the most onerous lease they've ever seen in their life because we know they're bad actors. So... Mm -hmm. It's things like that, like, remember that all this stuff lives with you as a business owner, and like, people aren't going to forget, you see it with Shake Shack and Ruth Chris taking the PPP, like, people are going to look for uh, someone to hang, like, people look for the bad guy in these situations, they want to all rally around that evil person. So be very conscious of that and how you act, because you might get lucky and get away with it. But chances are, this is the kind of time people get, you know, stick out and you get in trouble.
0: We've covered a lot here, Eric. One last piece I want to touch on. You've mentioned that you've been kind of testing out and trying more software than ever because your team's yep. been very vocal about, you know, as as they've been testing out new products. Are there any specific recommendations you have for listeners when it comes to software? You know, and this this can be we can keep this kind of broad, or we can make this more a bit more tactical relative to the conversation that we've had today.
1: Uh, well, we're gonna have a call right after this to review all the different events softwares we're looking at, Bizabo I know is the one that my team has really liked. I'll just give them a shout out. We're looking for something to replace Zoom that creates engagement. That's, that's really, and this not, not in terms of one-on-one conversations, but in terms of like conferences, webinars, that kind of thing. The idea of just sitting in front of a screen longer is not going to work for a little while. If the work paradigm is gonna be remote for a while, which you're having Google say it's the end of the year, like if that becomes true, which I think there's a good chance it is, we need to not have people just staring at a screen. all day. So we're looking at softwares that allow you to be a little more engaging and a little more just stare at your camera. So that's one, as I mentioned, is another one that we, because it helps with any type of Slack enablement too right now, because we're using Slack so much. Those mm. kind of add-ons are super interesting. In SMS marketing, we invested in a company in SMS that I think is, I mean, we know the returns on SMS are better than anywhere we're seeing right now. Like SMS marketing is just crushing it. And we saw that early. We invested in a company called PostScript that's now one of the top partners to Shopify. It's them and Attentive are the two big ones now. And yeah, it's it's, it's good to see like that. I think that's a huge opportunity for companies. And then frankly, if you, another little tip where we're seeing movement, we invested in a telemedicine for veterinarian company. And I think there's an interesting story in here. I can't share their numbers, but if I share, shared them, It's more than you even would think in telemedicine for veterinarians Worth no one going to the vet right now. It's insane because I almost think like it's a combination of people that would normally go to the vet using this and people going, what's available to me and using it even more than that because they didn't even know it was an option and didn't think about things that way. So any business, any software that allows you to take advantage of the current situation. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in like, let's just be real. People are stuck at home right now. What else can you be offering them? there's a lot there, there really is. And again, it's don't think about just the computer screen either. Like I think people are looking for things to do now. That's why, again, our, this magic night is, turns out it's already a hit and it's, you know, we're, we've got a few days left to actually promote the thing and people want things to do for that. The last thing actually in that note, if you don't have kids, which I don't, but everybody with kids is, it's a, it's the, becoming the biggest factor of this whole thing is kids can't go to school, which that's been for a little while, but now kids aren't gonna go to summer camp. Kids can't go out and play with their friends. Kids are getting antsy. What can you do for that? And whatever, there's a lot of different angles of that. There's, whether it's, you know, there's already algorithms to drown out the background noise with kids screaming in the background for people on Zoom, which that's one way to look at it. But also like, how can you help kids do things? Because kids don't want to sit on Zoom talking to their friends. Like I was, one of my neighbors has a 12 year old and she was saying like, yeah, like, they're not gonna get on Zoom and talk about their feelings. Like, they'll play video games. Video games have been a huge winner for kids in this, which you have that whole sentiment about not staring at a screen though. So there's a lot of solves that are coming out of that. Like Digital education is really interesting. Another friend has a company called Game Learning that is, if you remember Oregon Trail, it's- mm-hmm. uh, Of course. Think about that, but for all other historic events. So they're doing like, like Salem Witch Trials, and like all these different games for different historic events. and. I mean, they were ready to launch two months ago. It's like crazy, the timing. And um, they've onboarded hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in two months because they created, so like, talk about a need. I want my kids to yeah. learn something, but they're not gonna wanna sit at home and stare at Zoom for their teacher talking. So those kinds of solutions are super interesting. In terms of SaaS for business, I mean, I think, frankly, most businesses are already tech enabled. We're using the things, like for us, March 13th, I just like, they declared a national emergency. I sent it to everyone home and said, I don't know when we're coming back go turn on Slack, go turn on, you know, Google Hangouts, and we'll figure this out. We didn't miss a beat. Like, I, I literally, like, as someone that didn't like the idea of being a remote workforce, like, I think it's important to be together from a cultural perspective. Thank God we had built that, because now, like, we're fine. Everyone's hanging out. We have happy hours. We're, like, I think some people are antsy, but it's not really affected the work quality we put out.
0: Yeah, it's great. It, it just highlights the importance of, of, of building that culture while you have the chance to be in person, and also having the, the infrastructure such that you could seamlessly you know, switch, switch to being remote. So Eric, I know we've covered a ton today. Are there any kind of final thoughts, tips, tricks you wanna leave our listeners with to summarize?
1: Yeah, I just say the main thing, assuming the listeners are a lot of founders, is like, be proactive, like attack at this. There's not time to hold back. It's you're, you're, you're in a metaphorical battle. And I have a friend that's been, on he's an entrepreneur that also toured in Iraq and Afghanistan as a, a Navy SEAL. And he said, this is the most stressed out he was. Like running a business is way more stressful than being under combat and know that. Like recognize that, be okay with that and know that like you're in battle right now. And so make the right decision, cogent decisions to come out of this the way you wanna come out of this. You know, there's a great COO coach that built a few uh, nine figure companies named Cameron Harold that's a friend of mine. And he talks about like, if you're aiming, like I think overall they're expecting things to be down 30%. That's like the overall number I've seen thrown around. If you're aiming to be down 30%, you're literally aiming to be average. If you're a CEO that aims for average, you're probably in the wrong job. So you should be aiming to have a growth year. You should be aiming to do well in this situation because shoot for the stars, hit the moon, like is part of that. And then also like, you're gonna act accordingly. You're going to hit your goals. If your goals are to hang on for dear life, you're just gonna hang on for dear life. If you're gonna gonna aim to actually succeed now, you you have a chance of succeeding. And again, spending is not down, et cetera. Like there are options. Don't give yourself the excuse of COVID to not run your business well.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great point to end on. And I, and I love the overall theme of optimism that that you share, especially someone like yourself who sees as much data as you do. I think yeah. that that certainly should be a beacon of hope for, for listeners out there. Um, well, Eric, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no, thank you for having me.